Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm in the studio today with Brandon Cox. Glad to be here with you, Nate. And we're going to be airing the second part of our interview with Josh McDowell. If you missed last week, lucky for you, you can go to godsolutionshow.com and get last week's part one of the interview with Josh McDowell. Definitely, if you missed last week, go hear the first part of this interview with Josh McDowell at godsolutionshow.com. Anyway, today it's going to be an incredible privilege to give you the second part of the interview with Josh McDowell. If you don't know about Josh McDowell, he has been in ministry for over 50 years. He has spoken to more than 27 million people. He's given more than 27,000 talks in 125 countries. His humanitarian organization has donated nearly $50 million worth of humanitarian resources. And that association is Care Lift. Again, Care Lift is his humanitarian organization. He has written or co-authored 142 different books, which have sold a total of more than 40 million copies. His book, More Than a Carpenter, has sold more than 27 million copies alone. Josh McDowell also greatly influenced my life when I was a teenager. I mentioned it last week, but I'll talk about it briefly again this week. I grew up in a Christian missionary family, traveling a lot overseas. I was always very analytical. I always had to analyze things and understand the way they worked, and I had to know the logic behind them. My degree in college was in chemistry. I almost had a second degree in philosophy. I enjoyed thinking through deep questions on deep levels. Some of that forced me to really think through what I thought about my Christian faith that I'd grown up with. Now, I had begun a relationship with Jesus Christ as a child, and I'd grown in that throughout the years. But in my teenage years, I began to have serious doubts about the validity of what I had grown up believing. I did not know whether or not it was true. As I traveled to all these different countries and lived in other cultures, I was exposed to other ways of thinking, to other religious systems, to other worldviews, and that forced me to think through my own and to know, was it really real? Was it really true? And as I began to really think through all these different doubts, I asked my dad about it finally, and my dad gave me one of Josh McDowell's books, A Ready Defense. That book helped me tremendously as a teenager. It gave me tons of good answers and historical evidence for the Christian faith. And that kind of started me on a lifelong journey of finding answers that led to a conviction throughout my time in college that I needed to know what I believed so that I could share that with others and so that I could answer the questions of those that did not believe the way I believed. I don't think that Christianity is like a flavor of ice cream. I prefer it over Buddhism. You might prefer Buddhism, but I prefer Christianity. That is not how I look at anything in the world. When you approach a math class, your question is, what is right and what is wrong? Your professor never grades you according to what you felt was correct. He doesn't say, oh, 2 plus 2 equals 5 might be true for you. 2 plus 2 equals 4 is true for me. Truth is not relative anywhere in any domain of life. Somehow, when we get to the spiritual arena, though, we 
incorrectly assume that their truth is relative. If I approach a cliff, there's a truth about gravity that will kill me if I don't respect that truth. My opinion of the cliff is irrelevant. I can't walk off the cliff and think, oh, it's totally cool. My worldview says cliffs are great to jump off. No, I'll die because my worldview did not correspond with reality. Now, when we get again to the spiritual area, so many people fail to see such an obvious truth. Just like truth is exclusive everywhere else, it is exclusive here as well. Truth is always exclusive. In fact, to deny that, you have to admit that. You can't possibly deny that without admitting it. Because the second you say truth is not exclusive, you're making an exclusive statement. So anyway, as I encountered all this as a teenager and I realized that there was solid evidence that Jesus really is the only way, the only truth, the only life, it thrust me into a lifelong journey of knowing the evidence behind what I really believe so that I could be confident in myself and so that I could share that with others. And that whole journey really began with Josh McDowell's book, A Ready Defense. And so I'm so thankful to be able to have him on the God Solution Show today. If you want to know a little bit more about Josh McDowell, go to josh.org. Again, that's josh.org. That's his personal website. Pretty simple. And you should also look at his recent book. That's what we're going to be talking about today. has some incredible new evidence in it, talking about some recent manuscript discoveries, actually some that his own team discovered, and it's going to be incredible. You could find out more about God Breathed at readgodbreathed.com. Again, that's readgodbreathed.com. Well, we're going to pick up in the middle of our interview that began last week. Again, go to godsolutionshow.com for that interview if you missed it. But here we pick up talking with Josh McDowell about his new book, God Breathed. Now, about all the manuscripts that you found, uh, this is just exciting. Some of these are the earliest ever found of those passages, and that's just exhilarating. What does all that tell us about the reliability of God's Word? Well, what it does, the more manuscripts you discover, now you have to understand, a manuscript is not a whole book. Technically, a manuscript is any part of that book. It could be the size of your uh, thumbnail. Any part of a manuscript is considered a whole manuscript, a portion of a manuscript. Same thing with a scroll. They just discovered new, nine new Dead Sea Scrolls, and most of them are about the size of a thumbnail. Wow. Uh, but they're very significant because you get enough of those like we have, then you can start uh, letter by letter by letter determining what the original work is of the New Testament and of what Jesus said. That's why these discoveries are so significant. Now, what is interesting, and I explain all of this in there, in the booklet, in the book, is that five of the six oldest that I discovered are Coptic, which are very valuable. But most people don't know what Coptic is. When you hear of Coptic manuscripts, Coptic scrolls, Coptic uh, books, Coptic Christians out of Egypt, the Coptic faith, well, what it is, when Alexander the Great conquered Egypt, he was weakened by his uh, using his power because he had to rule in two different languages. The, the Egyptian language, when he uh, conquered Egypt, uh, hieroglyphics, and then in Greek, his language. 
So he brought in the scholars, and he said, I want you to take these two hieroglyphics in Greek and create one language that I can rule in. So what they did, they took the Greek letters, not the Greek words, Nate. They took the Greek letters and then added the sounds of hieroglyphics to each one of those Greek letters and then composed words and a language out of it. And so uh, there was a top Greek scholar there with me, and we discovered these, and he swore they were Greek uh, manuscripts, but he couldn't tell what they were. And the reason was, it looks just like Greek, but it was Coptic. And uh, so once we understood that, what we had to do was translate the Coptic into Greek and then put the Greek into the um, database in the computer to find out what we had. Because the database for Greek is huge. For Coptic, it's really small. And so all you need is seven, eight, nine letters, and they will tell you what you, what you have, um, where it's from, how many times it's used in other works, everything. It's incredible, mate, wow. what we can do with a computer now. And so when I'm looking at these manuscripts right now in the book that they can download free, and they look like Greek, but they're actually, uh, five of them are uh, Coptic. So that's the difference between Coptic and the other, and I explained this in the book. Well, these finds are obviously incredible, but what's also impressing is the personal significance of these finds. Can you tell our audience about what God has communicated to you personally concerning these manuscripts? Well, not so much pertaining to these manuscripts, but because of these manuscripts. One, I really believe God is doing something great. There is such a tsunami of discoveries now. Many, I never dreamed in my lifetime we would have what we have. And, and I really believe this means God is going to do something huge. Mm-hmm. And second... It just gives me a greater conviction that I can trust the Bible, that what I have is what was written down, that it has not been changed. And I would say in four to six years, you'll be able to really dogmatically say that uh, because of all these discoveries. And then it just gives me a greater confidence. And that's what in, in doing the book, God Breathed, I wanted these same things to happen in the lives of believers that read it. And that it gave me a greater conviction and courage to share my faith. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what came across to me. I could just see God personally being involved with you as he was also involved with the rest of us in displaying this evidence for the trustworthiness of his word. And it was so neat seeing how each one of those passages related to your life and ministry and how God allowed you to get your hands on these. It was just exciting. Again, I hope that all of you listening today will go out and buy God Breathed as soon as you can. All right. And also go to readgodbreathed.com and download the booklet free. Absolutely. Readgodbreathed.com. It's about an booklet, I think it is. I've got it here in front of me. And it will encourage you. And it's something you can pass on to others. Print it off. So, in line with all this, how can we be confident that the Bible we have today is what was originally authored? You've touched on this before, but how could somebody out there today that says, you know, I would like to believe in God, I would like to believe there's more to this life, but can we really trust the Bible? What would you say to that person this morning? As a non-Christian, 
there were two questions I had to deal with. One, can I hold the New Testament in my hand and say what I have is what was written down or has it been changed? And second, which was more important to me, was what was written down true? True in this sense. I first had to conclude it's true that Jesus said this and did this. Then later I concluded that what he said was true. Do you see the difference there? Mm-hmm. I first had to conclude that, yes, Jesus said this, and he did this. Paul wrote this. Paul did this. Then I had to conclude, well, was what he wrote true? Now, the first question, is what we have what was written down? You apply what's called a bibliographical test. That's a big word with little meaning. It just means you check out the manuscripts. You see, there's two questions here, or issues. One, the more manuscripts you have, the easier it is to reconstruct the original and check out any errors or discrepancies. The second question is, what is the dating? The closer the manuscripts you have, the copies to the original, usually the greater the accuracy. Why? The closer the manuscript you have usually means that manuscript has been copied fewer times, so less chance of human error to enter it. And that has been proven true. And then second with the number of manuscripts, you see if you have, say, 1620 manuscripts of John 3.16, and some of them say, for God so loved the world, some say God thought a lot about the world, and some say, God thought the world was cool. How do you know what the original is? You can't. But if you have four or five hundred, then there are certain principles you apply to come up with the original, what's called a pure text, the percentage of a pure text what the original said. Well, as I think I stated earlier, when I first came out with evidence, I documented 24,633 manuscripts. Now, with the entire book and all the new discoveries and everything, and there's still more out there to be found, can document 66,400 uh, and some. Well, now, it like this Greek scholar said, we have the original wordings of the New Testament. Now, with a computer and the software, using these manuscripts, we can easily figure out what the original wording is. But if you only have 8, 10, 12, 15 manuscripts, like most literature in history, you can't do that. And then with the timeline, uh, the closer the copy is, the greater the accuracy. You see, they start out with the original, and then maybe they need, they would copy it for two reasons. One, maybe it started to deteriorate. The letters started to fade, so they had to recopy to retain it, or they needed more copies, so they do ten. And then these ten copies they would copy. Why? Well, either after time, maybe the letters started to fade, whatever, or they needed 50 copies. So they would copy 50 copies, then 100, 200, 500, 1,000. And the, the issue is, the closer the manuscript you have to the original, the greater the accuracy is a rule of thumb because it normally means it was copied less, fewer times, and less chance of human error. And so what these manuscript discoveries does is give you confidence that what we have is what was written down. And this is what I document in the book. So uh, people can walk away and say, wow, now I understand it. Mm -hmm. And I think when they walk away with that, they're going to walk away, Woo! i got to share this with others. Absolutely. That's my dream. That's my dream. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9.
and 93.9 in Durango and KDUR.org online. Some in our audience may be considering the question, what about the supposed contradictions in Scripture? Oh, I love that. Um, you, you can't, the statement you made is not a right statement. You need to state it this way, Nate. The alleged discrepancies. Absolutely. You can't say the discrepancy. The reason is, we don't know the answers to all of them now, but oh my gosh, the list has been cut to one-third uh, of what people say were discrepancies, mistakes, have been shown no. They were alleged discrepancies. And the more manuscripts we discover, the more of these, quote, alleged discrepancies are going to disappear. But this is where you have to be careful. With uh, They say, well, look at all the variants. There's about 200 or more, 200,000 variants in the New Testament. They say that's horrible. That's more than any other book in history. Well, thank God it is more than any other book in history. Why? There's no other book in history that has such a substantial discovery of manuscripts like the Bible. Come on, the Bible has 66,400 some, and number two is the Iliad with 1,800. Well, of course the Bible has more or less variances. But here it is. 95% of all the variances, Nate, are spelling like H-O-N-O-R or H-O-N-O-U-R. 95% of them are spelling. And others uh, are uh, stylistic changes and all. And only a very small, tiny percentage is any question whatever what was meant in the original wording. But here is where people get thrown off and nobody seems to point it out. Let's say somebody copies a scripture, a manuscript, and utter, instead of H-O-N-O-U-R, they copied H-O-N-O-R. difference between the English and the American. It would be now N-R. Well, that's a, that's a uh, variant. But then that manuscript is copied 40 times. All of a sudden you've got 40 variances, but it's only really one. And then those 40 manuscripts are copied maybe 300 times. Now you've got 341 variances. Do you see how the more manuscripts you have, the multi multiplication of the same variant? And people don't point that out. You only have a handful of true variances. But because so many people wanted the scripture, they kept copying over and over, sometimes two, three, four, five hundred times, one variant. But it's counted as 600 variances. So that, uh, and I explained this in the book, and that helps people, I think, to see uh, how you approach the scripture when it comes to variances. In closing, I would like to ask one final question, and I think it's one that you would love to answer. Josh, what about the person out there today that has not yet made a decision to trust Christ? What is Christ's message, and what would you tell that person? Well, I would say that person, that Christianity is not religion but a relationship. Religion is men and women trying to work their way to God through good works and religious ritual, trying to live the sincere life of my good works outweigh my bad works. God will be pleased and he'll accept me. That has nothing to do with becoming a Christian. Christianity is a relationship. It's God coming to us, offering us a relationship with himself. 
in Exodus 34:14, where it uses the word God is a jealous God. <coughs> this is how you would translate that verse. You should worship God by no other name, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. And I would say to anyone listening right now, it's a relationship. We begin that relationship by exercising our will and asking Christ to come into our life as saving one. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them give you the right to become a child of God. And the thing I did just before that is when the Bible said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So one, we confess our sins. And when I did that, I didn't know a whole lot, Nate. I, I just said, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask your forgiveness. Not because I've done anything, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. And then second, just say, God, if you're God and Christ is your son, and as your Bible says, I need to receive Christ into my life as Savior and Lord, then right now, I invite you into my life. Take over the control of life, my life. I trust you as my personal Savior and my personal Lord. And then last, I prayed, thank you. So I just said, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I confess my sins. Right now, I accept you into my life. And third, I thanked him. Or fifth, I thanked him. And never knowing that over a period of six months, a year, year and a half, that would totally transform my life. So that's what I would share with anyone out there. Nate, it's been good chatting with you, guy. Thank you yeah, so thank much. you. It's been great. I've got to run here. Okay, Josh, thank you so much. It's been a huge pleasure. Thank you for your lifetime you. of ministry, for the influence you had on me and countless others. I can't wait to uh, to celebrate eternity together, and I'm thankful again hey, for all you've done. After I meet Jesus, Paul, and a few others, I'd love to have coffee with you. Sounds great. Thank okay, you so buddy. much. God bless you. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. Well, that was the second part of our interview with Josh McDowell. You could get both of those MP3s at GodSolutionShow.com. Again, that's GodSolutionShow.com under the past shows link. So I encourage you to check them out. GodSolutionShow.com. All of that was exciting. It was great hearing about Josh's new book, God Breathed. Again, go to ReadGodBreathed.com. ReadGodBreathed.com for more on that book. And definitely go to josh.org. Again, that's josh.org for more on Josh McDowell. The good news today is that God wants to have a personal relationship with you. It says that God created us to know him and to experience eternal life with him. And the Bible talks about eternal life being knowing Jesus Christ, God's only son whom he sent for us. So God invites you to know him, but... The issue is there is something that comes in the way of knowing God and experiencing true fellowship with him. And that issue is our sin. That is our own rebellion and our resistance towards God, choosing to go our own way instead of God's way. And this has created a gulf between ourselves and God. And something needs to bridge that gulf. And unfortunately, we've tried to come up with all these creative ways to bridge this gulf and get to God. There's the analogy, you know, that we're all climbing this mountain and we all have our different ways. But God is perfect, and our problem is infinitely big. We can't just hike and go our own way to get to God. So that's bad news when I stop there. But the good news is is God bridged that chasm by sending his one and only son, Jesus. And we can receive 
Jesus Christ as our Lord, and we can experience true fellowship and intimacy with God when we confess our sins and when we invite Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we must receive Christ to be adopted as children and to be his sons and daughters. And the way that we can receive Christ is pretty simple. It's through prayer, which is just talking to God. And prayerfully, if this is where your heart is at today, you can pray to God and say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins to you, and by faith I trust you as Lord, and I trust you to make me who you made me to be. So Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior, and I now want to have this personal, intimate relationship with God. So the Bible says if you took that step today, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, receiving him as Savior and Lord, that you've been adopted into his family. This is the most exciting day of your life. Whether you feel it or not, it really is. In fact, the Bible says there's a party in heaven because you can look forward to a life of meaning and abundance and significance here on this planet and an eternity with God in heaven. So if you took that step this morning, Brandon and I are rejoicing with you, and we'd actually love to hear about it. You could go to godsolutionshow.com and use the contact form to let us know that you made a decision to trust and follow Christ. I can't think of a better thing to start the day off with. So anyway, I hope that you have taken that step if you hadn't already, and if you're still thinking about it, keep thinking about it. I encourage you to keep evaluating the evidence. Go to godsolutionshow.com. Look at some of the MP3s. Listen to some of the past shows. Check out the evidence for Christ. Read Josh's new book, God Breathed. Again, go to readgodbreathed.com to find out more about his new book and some of the evidence there. And what I love about this new book is he really packages it in a bigger picture that shows you God's heart for you. Not just the evidence, but actually God's heart. So it's a great book, and if you're still searching, pick it up. It'll help you on your journey. If you are a Christian, pick it up. It will help you tremendously. So again, you can get both of these past two interviews at godsolutionshow.com. And I want to encourage you to tune in next week. Next week, we will be interviewing Dr. Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell's son, who is a scholar and a Christian apologist who has his own ministry. We'll be interviewing him next week about a lot of this same type of stuff, the evidence for faith in Jesus Christ, Christian worldviews, things like that. So definitely tune in next week for that interview with Sean McDowell. It'll be an incredible interview. Well, if you're thinking, how can I continue growing today? I want to encourage you to go to godsolutionshow.com and look at the churches tab. You'll see there a list of local churches, the times and the places that they meet. I would encourage you to visit one today. Drop by. I can vouch for each of the churches listed there that they're going to be friendly, encouraging, that they're going to teach God's word accurately, and that they're going to help you take the steps that you need to take with God. And they're going to do it in a personal way. They're not just going to funnel you through a system. So please go to GodSolutionShow.com and check out the list of local churches and find one to visit this morning. Definitely, church is something that our society seems to have a problem with. But I guarantee you, it's not everything, but it is something. God wants a personal relationship with you, and that's important. That's the most important thing. But after that, connecting with other believers can really help you grow in your faith. In fact, I don't know how you could possibly 
grow in all the fullness that God desires for you if you don't have that solid Christian fellowship around you. So go to GodSolutionShow.com, check out the local churches link, and visit a few different local churches. Check one out this morning. You could also look at the books link and find some other books and resources that would help you grow in your knowledge of the evidence for the Christian faith. Well, it's been an incredible couple of weeks interviewing Josh McDowell. Again, stay tuned next week for the interview with his son, Dr. Sean McDowell. I hope that you'll check out these MB3s at godsolutionshow.com under the past shows tab. And definitely, like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I'm convinced of that more than ever before. If you don't know Christ already, I hope you'll take that step today. And if you do know him, I hope that you'll walk closer to him than ever before. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Oh.